0: Well, good morning, everybody. I want to say hello, of course, to those of you here with me in our sanctuary and those of you joining us via video feed from Knox Hall or worshiping online or by radio. Glad you're here today. I want to say a word about our online ministry and how this year's Thanksgiving offering will be used to expand it. Uh, We started live streaming our Sunday services almost 10 years ago, and now if you're anywhere in the world, if you have an Internet connection you can join the worship at ward church uh, on sunday mornings at 9 30 and 11 o'clock and really when we first started live streaming our services my only vision was that uh, people who could not make it to church because of illness or travel could still stay connected to their home church and that was the fullness of the vision and that radio listeners perhaps we, we've been on the radio for 50 years that some radio listeners might prefer to watch as well as listen, and that was uh, that was the total of the vision. Um, over the years, though, we've learned a couple uh, things that I did not anticipate, but maybe should have. Uh, I did not anticipate the presence of long-term homebound. That we have members of our church who uh, miss church not every once in a while because they have a cold. But they can't be here any Sunday because they're homebound due to infirmity or age. And uh, really, I had not anticipated that we would have members join us online every single Sunday. Also, I had not anticipated the, the fact that first-time guests... Uh, usually check out a church first online before they come to the building. So when we meet a first-time guest here in our building, um, odds are that it's not their first-time visit, it's their fourth or fifth visit because they have watched us online. And so we've really tried to make improvements to our online stream over the years. I hope those of you that have used the stream have noticed some improvements. However, uh, right now, we are only able to broadcast the service where the live preacher is, or really where the cameras are. So right now, we live stream uh, the sanctuary service every other Sunday, and then on every other Sunday, it's the Knox Hall service that gets pushed out. And 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 I've asked uh, our tech team if there's a way that we could do both. And uh, up until now, the answer has been yes, but it, it's going to cost a lot. We, we have to uh, build a new control center, and, uh, and it would be hundreds of thousands of dollars. But thanks to advances in technology, this is now possible with just a few changes of equipment and some more cameras. So this year's Thanksgiving offering, our Thanksgiving offering are always designated toward a project. And this year's Thanksgiving offering will go to the online ministry, uh, primarily to buy these cameras and equipment so that we can live stream both services every Sunday. And so in the future, you'll be able to tap onto the website and it will replicate, click here to enter the sanctuary, click here to enter Knox Hall, and for our homebound, long-term homebound or temporary people who miss or first-time visitor, they will be able to see our church, experience our church as we are. So if you want to make a gift to the Thanksgiving offering, please use the Thanksgiving envelope that was mailed to you if you're a regular attendee, and you can put that gift in any time, any Sunday, any day. Uh, And just if you use that envelope, we'll know it goes to the Thanksgiving offering. And here's a little secret. You don't have to actually use the offering envelope. Uh, If you just write very clearly in the memo line, Thanksgiving offering, then uh, the folks that go through those will make sure that's credited to the correct area. Uh, This would be a good time for us to show our appreciation to the volunteer camera operators and the tech team who make that live stream ministry possible. Can we thank them for their work? And I know you people online are applauding as well, and we're glad this is even uh, an option for us. Really, it's amazing. Well, today we wrap up our series on the Beatitudes. Uh, Jesus began his famous Sermon on the Mount with eight statements about the blessed life, and many of, many of us have been working to memorize these statements. And uh, I'm going to ask everybody to stand as we read these one final time in this series. There in Knox Hall as well, would you please stand to your feet if you're able? This is not just the scripture reading of the day. This is your quiz, and uh, some of you by now you you could say these statements with your eyes closed. And if you want to try it, give it a shot. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read it from the screens myself. but uh, uh, So let's read together for the, for the final time as part of this series, the words of Jesus from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who were before you. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. Well, we have said that the Beatitudes are counterintuitive and countercultural. They're counterintuitive because they run against the ways we normally think, and they're countercultural because they run against societal norms. The Beatitudes violate our mental map of reality. Psychologists say that all of us have these mental maps that we use to navigate and understand the world around us. These mental maps are normal and necessary, but it's possible to have an inaccurate mental map. And a mental map that does not reflect reality can lead to all kinds of problems. I want to give you a definition of reality this morning. Uh, Before I do, I kind of want to prepare you for this definition by asking you to watch this very, very brief video. Let's watch. That's it. And here's the definition of reality from Dallas Willard. Reality is what you run into when you're wrong. Reality is what you run into when you're wrong. Let's watch that video again. This time in slow motion, and this time sh- just for our pure enjoyment. Um, this guy has no idea that his mental map of reality is incorrect, and he's about to find out in a very sharp way. Let's watch that again. No idea. all right Uh, listen I feel that way sometimes what I thought to be true what I assumed to be true turns out to be not true at all and reality smacks me in the face and sometimes the most important reality is unseen reality we all have a theory of reality I have this mental map And my mental map generally tells me that if I want the blessed life, if I want a good life, then people need to like me. They must respect me. They must do what I want them to do. Uh, My kids must get the right kind of grades, the kind of grades that everyone respects and that they will attribute uh, to my genetic superiority and fine parenting You know, my boss must give me raises. My friends must sing my praises. My neighbors should write thank you notes just for the opportunity they have to live near me. (laughs) And then I smack into reality. We realize that our mental map is flawed. This is how I feel sometimes when I encounter Jesus. I realize that the way I have viewed my world, the way I have viewed God's kingdom... Is wrong. It's just wrong. Jesus says that when people mistreat you, when they insult you, when they're mean to you, when they think poorly of you, you can be blessed inside the kingdom of heaven. I want to look again at the exact words of Jesus. We read them earlier, but here they are again. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness... For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, Jesus said, when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, when Jesus said this, his followers were not being persecuted, they were largely ignored. But Jesus knew that persecution was coming. And that's exactly what happened. We know today, it's a matter of history, that people began to say that they had seen Jesus alive after he had died. That they had seen him, talked with him, ate with him. Uh, And not just a few people, but hundreds of people reported this. And as you can imagine, this drew a lot of attention. And in fact, lots of people gave their lives to become followers of, of the way, become followers of Jesus Uh, now there were skeptics of course who said it's just hallucinations Uh, and then other people would say well how could hundreds of people share the same hallucination and then authorities begin to wonder what they would lose power wise in this people often evaluate something new based on not on what they will gain but on what they will lose and so the authorities begin to persecute the followers of Jesus uh, throwing them in jail, causing physical harm to them, and many of the followers of Jesus just fled the country. They scattered all around the world, which actually turned out to be very good for the world because they brought the gospel of Jesus everywhere instead of just staying contained in this small part uh, of of the world. Uh, it could have stayed there, but it scattered. Now, of course, they didn't avoid persecution. Persecution followed them, and as you may know, in places like Rome, Emperor Nero just... Thought of ever in uh, creative ways to torture uh, the followers of Jesus. You may have heard that he would take Christians and feed them to wild animals to be torn apart just for sport and entertainment. That is true. You may have heard that Nero would light Christians on fire and use them as human torches to light his gardens. That is a matter of historical record. It really got that bad. But there's no persecution today right wrong thank you usually I don't like it when you say wrong but that time it was good Uh, in places like North Korea Afghanistan Somalia Libya Pakistan China places of India persecution includes jail time or physical harm you want to guess how many people how many Christians were killed last year for their Christian faith how many Christian martyrs in our world last year alone? Anybody want to venture a guess? There are people who try to track these kinds of things, and according to the 2019 watch list, uh, last year, 4,305 Christians were killed for their faith in the last 12 months. 4,305 Christian martyrs. 3,150 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. Over 245 million Christians live in places in the world where they experience high levels of persecution. And we need to work and pray against this. Uh, th- this is not just a religious issue. This is a human rights issue. And yet a lot of people have observed, me too, this curious Phenomenon, that in places of, of the world where persecution is the most intense, Christianity is growing the fastest. And in places where faith is free, uh, Christianity is stagnant or in decline. Does that surprise anybody? No, we, we know that we're, where the persecution is the most intense... Christians have a a more vibrant, deep, resilient faith, and in places where faith is free, it can lead to a more casual kind of belief. There there are no casual followers of Jesus in China because there it will cost you everything. Everything. Uh, I heard a story of a pastor who visited China. He went to encourage the underground church there and uh, this American pastor said to a Chinese pastor, we American Christians have been praying that persecution would stop for you in China. And the Chinese pastor said, oh really? Because we Chinese Christians have been praying that persecution would start for you in America so that your faith would become strong and growing and resilient. So, Some observations about persecution today around the world and through history. Uh, What causes persecution? Persecution comes from both truth and misunderstanding. Those early Christians, again, they they said things like, Jesus has risen from the dead. And when you think about it, that's kind of a weird thing to say. I mean, you and I believe some things that we're going to take some heat for. Uh, How many of you are familiar with the scientific principle that says dead things stay dead? People kind of know that we're going to get some heat for some of our beliefs. Uh, The early believers believed there was one true God, and they said that in the midst of a very pluralistic society in the first century. There are things that you and I believe, too, that we're going to take some heat for. But they also took a lot of heat for misunderstandings. There was a rumor in the first century that Christians were cannibals, that they ate people at their gatherings that was the rumor going around the first century about christians where did they get that ridiculous idea yes yeah, you saying uh the, the lord's supper communion that, that's what i heard those people when they get together on sunday morning they take flesh and blood and they eat it total misunderstanding uh rumor in the first century was that the church was anti-government Well, that's not true. The the Bible says we should uh, honor those in authority and pray for those in authority. Where did they get the idea that Christians were anti-government? Well, because those Christians are always talking about King Jesus and this other kingdom, so they must want to topple other governments. And I think it's still true today. People of faith will be ridiculed for what we believe, and I think more largely because of misunderstandings. And I don't mind taking some heat for what I believe, What's harder for me to deal with is the gross misunderstandings about uh, the Christian faith. When people tell me what they're rejecting, I, I say to them, well, I would reject that too. But what you're rejecting isn't Christian faith. What you're rejecting is some stereotype that either you have constructed or has been given to you. Observation number two, persecution takes various forms. Where you and I live... We are probably not going to be killed for our faith, at least not in the near term, but there are still consequences for following Jesus. You may be misunderstood, stereotyped, labeled, or maligned. People might think that you are old-fashioned or weird or crazy. Your faith may cost you respect or job opportunities or dates. But on the other hand, People may find you honest and kind and good. People may think that you are rooted and insightful and deep. People may find that you are a person of unique joy and peace and hope. And in the end, Jesus says, it doesn't matter what people think about you. You're ultimately not at risk inside the kingdom. Do the right thing no matter what comes. Blessed are you. And observation number three, every insult is not persecution. Persecution is not just suffering, it is suffering for Jesus' sake. Notice what Jesus said, the blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Because of righteousness. Or as the living Bible says, happy are those who are persecuted because they are good. And again, Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Because of me. The promise of this joy isn't simply being persecuted. It's being persecuted for the right reason. Being persecuted because we are good. Because we are doing right things. Because we are committed to Jesus Christ. It's so easy to fool ourselves in this regard. Dr. Ralph Stockman says, the first value of persecution is to include self-examination in order to find out why others don't like us. It's quite possible that the reason people can be treating us badly is not because of our goodness, but because of our lack of goodness. I remember one Sunday, a particularly cantankerous church member was telling me all about uh, how he's being persecuted at his workplace, that nobody likes him at his work uh, because he's a Christian nobody likes me because I'm a Christian and I wanted to say you know there might be other reasons that people don't like you you're mean you're not a nice person uh, I didn't say these things I wanted to say these things you, you believe you're being persecuted because of your faith but here's the good news even if you weren't a Christian people still would not like you Uh <laughs> All forms of persecution are not a banner of faith. It needs to be because of our righteousness, because of our goodness, because of Jesus. And observation number four, persecution is growing. I don't want to be melodramatic, but I think it's safe to say that whatever level of persecution exists here in North America, whether you think it's a lot or a little, whatever it is, it's going to increase. Yes? It's on the rise. As culture grows more secular and as uh, more sus- uh, grows more suspicious of religion, we can expect misunderstandings to increase and the cultural gap to widen. There is no need to fear this. The church of Jesus Christ has been here before. Again, you can build a case historically and globally that persecution is actually good for the church. This is a time to lean into the Beatitudes of Jesus. This is a time to live out the beatitudes of Jesus. This is a time to live and love like our Lord Jesus. So what do you do when persecution comes? Uh, Three things I'll offer today. Uh, Number one, when when persecution comes, don't be surprised. Jesus did not say, blessed are you if people insult you, if people persecute you. Jesus did not say if. He said, when, when. When, blessed are you, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It is going to happen. And Paul said to his protege, Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, what are the next three words? Will be persecuted. Don't be surprised. Number two, bless your persecutor. It was our Jesus who said in the Sermon on the Mount... But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It does not get any deeper or more profound than this. This is Jesus. Love your enemies and pray for those who harm you. Paul said to the church at Rome, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not take revenge. Leave vengeance to God. Instead, repay hurt for kindness. I love that line about heaping coals on the person's head. Uh, We're not quite sure what that means, but it's a fun image, right? Uh, That when someone hurts you and you repay it by showering them with kindness, you're going to mess with their heads, Uh, They're not going to know what's going on. They're not going to take this. So just kill them with kindness. Let that be your vengeance. Let that be a surprise gospel twist. And number three, when persecution comes your way, because it will, adopt a kingdom mindset. Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The troubles that we are experiencing are temporary. They are momentary. In light of eternity, they are nothing. But Jesus isn't just talking about eternity. Whenever Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about right now. He's talking about this kingdom of heaven that's available to us today. This is the gospel of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is accessible to ordinary people, and you can live in this kingdom right now. if you're living in the kingdom, you are no longer living at the mercy of what other people think about you or how they treat you. Other people cannot threaten your ultimate well-being with your father, even if they're mean to you, even if they kill you. This is part of the gospel of the kingdom. This world is safe for you. God is with you. God is closer than the air that you breathe and live with this new perspective in 1955 a follower of Jesus and a Sunday school teacher named Rosa Parks was asked to move to the back of the bus because of the color of her skin she lost her job a few weeks later they said it wasn't because of the boycott but they were just firing her she followed a savior who said this world can throw you in jail they can say mean things about you but nothing can separate you from the love of God She was used by God to inspire a nation. When Rosa Parks died, not that long ago, at 92 years of age, she was the first woman to lie in state at the Capitol Rotunda. 30,000 people lined up to pay tribute to the woman who was asked to move to the back of the bus. She had a, a different kingdom in her mind. She had a kingdom mindset. She had a different mental map. And now you and I live in the kingdom of heaven. So this week, if you feel hurt, do not assume that the person that hurt you intended evil. Stop, reflect, ask God, is there something for me to learn here? Don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay insult for insult. Overcome evil with good. I told you earlier in the series that one author said this word beatitude or blessed uh, could be translated you are on the right road. You're on the right road. And this beatitude in particular when persecution comes you will know in an odd way that you are on the right road. Blessed are you, said Jesus, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Really? Do you believe it yet? See, for Jesus, these were not just words. Jesus was the living kingdom in our midst. Jesus was persecuted his whole life long. Herod tried to kill him when he was a baby. His family had to flee to Egypt when he was a boy. When Jesus gave his very first sermon, recorded in Luke chapter 4, the congregation was so mad they wanted to stone him. Right? I've never had that happen to me, even on an off Sunday. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. He was called a half breed and a Samaritan. People said he was in league with the devil. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The religious leaders hated him. The crowds mocked him. The soldiers beat him. The the Romans crucified him. This, This is Jesus. Ask yourself the question, what other historical figure has been portrayed as the victim of more insults, more slander, more hostility, more rejection, greater shame, deeper failure than this one who said, blessed are you. We're told that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the crowds mocked him using his own words. This man's supposed to be a savior. He saved other people. Save yourself. And I wonder if anybody in the crowd that day thought to themselves, blessed are you when people insult you. Because Jesus did not look very blessed hanging on the cross. That's the way the world operates. Somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. And yet Jesus on the cross said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. In a you hurt me, I hurt you back world, Calvary, death, was supposed to be the end. But this time it was different. Calvary was the beginning. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for Jesus, for his life, his compassion, his love, his truth, his death, his resurrection, and his presence with us now. We thank you for this time we have had to meet with Jesus on the mountain and to learn from him. His beatitudes reveal a new and unexpected reality a present and a future kingdom, and we confess both our delight and our confusion. How can it be this amazing love that has no limits, no barriers, no exhaustion, no end? Help us to lay down our preconceived notions, embrace divine mystery, and enter into the kingdom of heaven for which you have granted access. We are forever grateful. And this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and all God's people said, Amen.